Good afternoon and welcome to the Legal Eagle Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. I'm an attorney here in Lakeland. To call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. My office is conveniently located at 904 South Missouri Avenue in Lakeland. That's directly behind the old Southside Dry Cleaners that's on South Florida Avenue. I thought today that we would go into a subject that has been in the media recently. Uh, Not that I care really anything about what the media has to say, and I'll talk about that maybe more later in the show. But this is a subject that impacts all of us um, out on the highways, and that's called distracted driving. And some of you may be going, okay, why is he doing it right now? Well, again, it's been in the media recently, and secondarily, April has been designated as National Distracted Driving Awareness Month. Yes, that that is actually a designation nationally for April to be National Distracted Driving Awareness Month. Uh, It's different than National Donut Day or National Hoagie Day or National Hamburger Day or Hot Dog Day. It is a whole month that's dedicated to the the thought process of bringing awareness to people and focusing on your driving. And a lot of people may say, well, what is distracted driving? By definition, distracted driving is anything that takes your hand off the wheel, or hands, as we were all told, the 2 and 10, I think it is. Yeah, 2 and 10, uh, designation on the wheel, your eyes off of the road, or your mind off of driving. Any of those three things or any combination of those three things is considered to be distracted driving. The first one, taking your hands off the wheel, would be called manual distraction because you're actually physically taking one of your hands or both of your hands off of the wheel when you're driving. And that's kind of stupid one way or the other. A lot of us will drive with one hand. I'm, I'm guilty of discharged on that. I've only been driving now, well, let's see, I'm 59, and I started when I was 12. Yes, some of you will say that was illegal, and yes, it was, but I really don't care at this point. The statute of limitations has run on that. So I started at 12, so I've now been driving 47 years. I think I've earned the ability to drive with one hand occasionally when I'm getting tired or one of my shoulders or back is hurting. It's just easier to do, and especially if it's in an area where I don't need to have both hands on the wheel to control the vehicle. Now, if I'm in an area where there's a lot of traffic, there's turns, I'm making a turn, anything like that, I'm using both hands. But the whole idea is when you take your hands off the wheel, that would be considered to be manual distracted driving. If you take your eyes off of the road, that is called visual distracted driving. And there's all kinds of different ways that can occur. I'll try to go into some of those types of things in a little bit. And the last one is if you're taking your mind off of your driving, and that would be cognitive distracted driving. So there's really three types, but they can overlap each other or be connected with each other. Uh, Obviously, you increase your risks once you do any of the three or all of the three. Uh, The more distracted you are with that driving, the worse it can be. And a lot of people go, okay, well, where are we at with it in Florida? As of 2019, we have a section in the Florida statutes, uh, section 316.305, 
that basically allows law enforcement officers to stop and cite people for texting and driving. And if anybody doesn't know what texting is, okay, we're in the 21st century now, 20, what, yeah, 21st century. That means you you really need to kind of crawl out. Text uh, even me, the old timer, texts on a cell phone. It's where you're texting messages, and I I'm going to tell you that while it doesn't specifically say this in the statute, even if you're using what's called instant messenger through Facebook, that's still a form of texting because you're doing the same thing. You're sending a message, just different format than trying to do a direct message. It's instant messenger, but either way, you're still texting and driving. Now, some of you that are maybe a little more advanced might say, well, I've got the voice recognition type texting where I can speak into the phone and it will text a message. If you're doing that, you're probably going to be okay because nobody's going to pull you over to begin with because they're not going to see you playing like a little miniature typewriter trying to text. If you're talking into the phone, it looks like you're making a telephone call. And the statute does not specifically address being able to cite somebody for speaking a text into a phone. Or if your phone is connected to, and I I think this is what it is, Bluetooth or whatever it is in the vehicle that's connected to your radio, a lot of these really modern vehicles have that Bluetooth-type technology where you can talk into it and send messages that way. Again, that's not the same as taking your fingers and typing onto a phone. It's still distracted driving, but it's not necessarily something that would be citable under the statute. The other type of citation, though, that can be issued is for those of us that have to go through school or work zones, you're not even supposed to be talking on a cell phone at all. If they catch you talking on a cell phone while driving through an active school zone or an active work zone, and for those of you that don't understand what I'm talking about, if school's not in session, it's not a school active zone. I'm talking about when kids are walking to school or from school or getting off of buses, things like that, and they're in a zone that's part of a school, or if we've got people working in a work zone, and they're yes, there have to be workers present or it doesn't count, and you're driving through that area, you're not supposed to be even making a cell phone call during that time frame, or you can be cited. Uh, I'll go into a little bit more of this after the break. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. To call in, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. During the break, we had a caller. Go ahead, caller. Yes, this is James from Auburndale. How are you doing, Tony? I'm good, good. I think you're missing one I think I need to address that you might be interested in. What's that? And that is when you're driving down I-4, every vehicle on this road today probably has something that is called a speed control, which means once you activate that thing, your feet are no longer on the paddle of the accelerator or the brake, which means your time delay function is now altered, which means you're driving down the road relaxed. Oh, I don't disagree with you at all, and that may be the, <laughs> I'm that, that's, <laughs> that's probably going to be a fourth that just hasn't been really recognized yet, 
which is, and I hate to use this, but the more we get closer to it, and it's something that's probably coming in the future that I'm going to resist till the ends of the earth, and that's automated driving. Speed control, like you're talking about with cruise control, yes, the is, cruise control. Is, is a form or a first step into automated driving. We're still allowed, uh, are still able to either stop it by hitting the brake, yeah, tapping the brake. My thing is that the time function of once your feet are off there and relaxed, yeah. and you see a light in front of you, your time function of when you have it accelerate or decelerate, you have more control on. Well, that and your mind goes somewhere else, too, because you're not focused on the driving as well. Exactly. I hang so, up and listen to your response on that. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I think that's going to be recognized as probably a fourth form, form of, of distracted driving once we get to a point where that becomes more prevalent and a lot of people go, well, we've all got cruise control on our vehicles at this point. Most do. Cruise control has been on vehicles all the way back to the 70s. Uh, and it's just become more and more prevalent, easier to put on, easier to use, and it allows us to be more distracted easily because we're freeing up our legs, which then frees up our mind to think about other things. So that's probably going to be a hybrid form of another form of distracted driving. Um, it right now is not one of the three biggies that they talk about, but I see that coming. And especially when we get to the, what I call fully automated cars, which they're testing right now, where they basically drive for you. You just put in your starting point, you put in your ending point, and they drive the vehicle for you. That ain't working out too well so far for the companies that have done it, but obviously that technology is in its infancy. Um, I could see that as a problem because – we're going to think we can rely on the vehicle to safely drive it. <laughs> They're finding out that ain't working out so well right now with most of these self-driving cars because as much as we want to make a pre-program a car to do everything that a human can do, there is still that human element where we can see things and, and sense things that a car will never be able to do. Um, it's just I have a sixth sense when I'm driving down the road of some car that might be getting ready to blow a red light or come over into my lane, that the vehicle would never be able to interpret that by the movements of the vehicle in and of itself. So I'm not sure that that fully automated driving thing's ever going to completely work out, at least not during my lifetime. Uh, but James is absolutely correct that cruise control use on a vehicle, if nothing else, adds to the aspect of distracted driving. Uh, under NHTSA, which a lot of people don't know what I'm talking about when I say NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, they compile statistics. Now, statistics can be skewed to do whatever the actual statistician wants them to do. But generally speaking, in this area, I think that they are probably correct because they're they're actually analyzing this by previous year's statistics that would have been compiled in the same way. But 2021 had the highest number of traffic fatalities for the 14 years before it. And at least one quarter of those have been attributed, at least partially, by distracted driving. And you go, well, how do they figure that out? Well, law enforcement officers, if there's a fatality involved, they're going to seize the cell phone and see if anybody was using that cell phone right before the accident. If they were... That can then lead to potentially very serious charges against the person that may have caused the accident that would have led to a fatality. 
they're going to want to know that information one way or the other. And certainly when we're talking about personal injury attorneys later on and they're trying to file lawsuits out of it, they're going to have access to that same information. So it gets reported. And it, that's why they say at least that number because, you know, it, sometimes maybe something doesn't get reported. But at least partially caused by distracted driving, it's it's at its highest rate in the four, previous 14 years. Well, there's also another reason for that. Most of the states started reopening a lot of their business activities to a wide-open type status in 2021. Uh, at least in the southern states and in the midwestern states, western states except for the very far western states, most of those states opened back up. People were so tired of being pinned up that they went out and did a lot of driving and went from one place to another enjoying themselves. That increases the numbers of vehicles on the roadway, and that therefore increases the uh, probability of a distracted driving incident. What is distracted driving? We've talked about the three basic types, but what constitutes distracted, uh, distracted driving? I mean, it's not just texting and driving. Actually talking on a cell phone is a form of distracted driving. And you're saying, well, wait a minute, I'm looking straight ahead and I got my hand on the wheel. How is that distracted? You're talking to somebody on the phone. Your mind is not fully on your driving at that point in time. So therefore, you are at least partially distracted. You're not focused completely on what's going on around you. So therefore, that can be a form of distracted driving. We've talked about texting before. That, again, you're not even looking at the, the road when you're texting. You're looking down at the phone. Eating is a form of distracted driving. And yes, I was doing it earlier today. Don't care. Good luck in trying to cite me. Nobody saw me actually doing it, or if they did, nobody reported me. But I don't have time to stop and eat. That's why we have drive-through facilities. And some folks will say, well, you're supposed to drive through and then go somewhere else and take it to eat. If I'm driving through a place in Bartow and my next point of destination is Lakeland, guess what's going to be cold when I get to Lakeland if I don't try to eat it on the way? My food. And everybody goes, well, the safe thing, yeah, the safe thing is I ain't got time for that all the time. And so I do my best to try not to be distracted by my eating. So if I'm going to actually get something out to eat, I try to do it at a red light when I'm stopped with my foot on the brake and not moving. Therefore, I'm not going to hit anybody. And if I'm actually eating, say it's a hamburger, I make sure the, pe the, th the packaging is peeled back enough to where I can take bites and still watch the roadway and what's going on around me. Am I still probably distracted? Yes. Am I distracted as badly? No. Tuning a radio can turn into distracted driving. If you're going to, and there's some of the newest radios, in fact, I can tell you on my wife's truck, you cannot try to pre-program anything on that radio while the vehicle is moving. It has to be stopped and in park to be able to pre-program a radio station. Now, can she change radio stations while she's moving? The answer is yes. If it's already pre-programmed, the answer is yes. But they have tried to take it to the next level on most of these newest radios in vehicles to where you're not able to do as a lot of the functions we used to do even two or three years ago. They, it, the advancements in the technology 
it's it's a restriction on you, but at the same time, it's trying to make it a little bit safer. Talking to others in a vehicle. I, I can't tell you the number of trips that my wife and I have taken. The kids were in the back seat. If they're acting up, big boy here has to be the one that kind of calmed them down. Not that she couldn't do it, but usually my voice alone would sometimes take care of an issue that may not be able to be handled by her. But did that make it better? Well, it solved the problem with the kids, but it distracted me from doing what I should have been doing, which was focusing on the road. Of course, I was already distracted by whatever commotion they were committing in the back seat, too. So talking to others, if if I'm talking to my wife while I'm driving. Technically, I've got a diverted or divided attention span at that point between the discussion I'm having with her and my actually focusing on my driving. Uh, reading billboards can be a form of distracted driving. Now, am I trying to blame the billboard company? No, but if there's a half-naked woman and I look up, maybe I've got a little blame I can put on them at that point. If I'm looking up at John Morgan in his Santa Claus outfit, yeah, okay, that's on me at that point. I shouldn't have even been looking at it. But, if, you know, it's it really is billboards can be a distraction. So can any kind of signage that's on the side of a road. A business sign can be a form of distraction if you're actually focused on that sign as opposed to what's going on in front of you as you're driving. Uh, mentally thinking about your job. I cannot tell you how many times I've been driving down the road thinking about a hearing that I'm getting ready to do or going and meeting with a client on a particular issue I'm dealing with versus actually completely focused on the road. And, and I guarantee you there is nobody that's listening to this radio today, this station, that's listening to this program that can tell me that they drive all of the time completely focused on their driving. If you tell me that, I, I think you're not telling me the truth because we all think about other things other than our actual driving at times. And it, that's, that's still a form of distracted driving. Uh, your relationship issues. I don't have that problem because I've been married now coming up on 39 years this year. But I'm not going to say that people that are dating or living with somebody or whatever, they have relationship issues. That's part of a distraction when you're going down the road. If you're thinking about what you're going to do on a weekend date, that's a form of distraction. We're going to talk about more of this after the break. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. To call in, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. During the break, I got a message from a good friend of mine, Donnie Huffman, and Donnie probably is the best motorcycle rider I know, bar none ever. And a lot of people go, well, what about somebody like Evil Knievel or something? No, Evil Knievel is an idiot that just happened to jump over a lot of things and make money. Donnie can do things on a motorcycle I've never seen anybody else do in my life. He owns multiple records, uh, drag racing motorcycles. And you're probably going, okay, well, that, that that's questionable. No, he's just very good at what he does. And he's been on motorcycles since he was a kid. But Donnie was texting me a little bit ago, and he goes, how about the idiot that's riding a motorcycle and texting going down the road? And I go, yeah, that's that's stupid. That's a whole new level of stupid. And, and the reason that's stupid is when you're on a motorcycle, you're not only watching out 
for yourself, but you're watching out for everybody around you. I mean, every every angle, everything, because you're on a bike. You don't have that same steel cage, we would call it, from the motorcycle industry around you to protect you going down the road. We like riding motorcycles because of the freedom it affords us, but at the same time, we have to be much more cautious of all of those others around us. One, they may not see us. Two, they may not care if they see us, and that's sad, but unfortunately a very true commentary. And three, for us to not then be caring enough to save ourselves by watching what's going on around us, by texting while riding a motorcycle down the highway, that's just a whole new level of Darwinism at work. That person's going to eventually die, and somebody's going to say, oh, my God, I feel so sorry for him. No, I don't at that point. That's just stupid because we all need to take our own precautions to save ourselves out there at times. And when you're that level of stupid that you're going to text and be driving a motorcycle down the road, there is bad consequences that come out of that. You play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. And it's not fair if you hit somebody else then because they're going to feel bad because you're on a bike. So, yes, that would be a form of a really high form of distracted driving is if you're texting and riding a motorcycle at the same time. Something else, even in a car, that can be a distraction is, say, your kids. I, I kind of mentioned that a minute ago. If they're arguing in the back seat or if they're fighting or even if they're loud, if just having a good time, all of those things can cause distractions to your actual driving uh, going down the road. The statistics demonstrate that a focused driver going 50 miles an hour takes almost a football field to stop the vehicle. That's 100 yards to stop a vehicle at 50 miles an hour. Now, that's assuming you're fully focused on what you need to do to come to that stop. It becomes much worse when you are not paying attention, you're not focused enough to be able to make that stop within that 100 yards, which is when we start seeing rear-end collisions, uh, people running red lights and hitting other people. It just it becomes a real uh, changing lanes or even weaving into another lane. Uh, in Florida alone, in 2021, there were 333 dist distracted driver fatalities meaning somebody died as a result of a distracted driver situation. There were 2,723 serious injury cases, meaning uh, wrecks or accidents, where a serious injury resulted to somebody. And there were 56,425 distracted driver crashes in Florida alone in 2021. Of those, I can tell you because I was able to find some statistics, not much, but some on this, 1,191 of those were in Polk County alone. That's just uh, last year and in Polk County, 1,191. It's fairly easy math on that, but that's almost three a day uh, that were distractive driver crashes. Florida has been ranked the second worst state in the country for distracted driving. Uh, Louisiana is the worst. You would have thought it would be a place like New York or maybe even Los Angeles, somewhere that's a little bit more crowded, uh, 
The problem with that whole concept is they're doing it on a per capita type rating. So when you've got that many more idiots driving around in New York, it gives you a better percentile. Same thing in California. you got that many in, in, idiots. They probably have higher numbers of people actually involved in the cases. But when you factor in that many more millions of people lis- living there, it, it just it's not the same percentage. So Florida is what I'd call a medium-sized state so far, although we're growing at a phenomenal rate. As a result, when we have a higher number of cases, it makes us look bad on the 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 distracted driving uh, listing. It is not illegal to eat and drive. It is also not illegal to talk on your cell phone and drive unless you are in a school zone, or a work zone where there are kids present or workers present. Uh, It's not illegal to talk to somebody else in the vehicle. But it, it is something that you need to be cognitive of because you're hurtling a two ton on a good day. Now, if you're talking about a Prius, it's probably a one ton, but I'm talking about the, the weight of what you're hurtling down the highway. Uh, we used to have an attorney that was a defense attorney while I was a prosecutor up in Pasco. He had been a prosecutor before that, and part of his closing arguments, he would talk to the jury about the person being drunk and hurtling a two-ton automobile down the vehicle being basically a ballistic missile coming down the road. We need to understand, all of us, that even in this modern day and age, all trucks and a lot of the cars are approaching two tons. That's 4,000 pounds. That is serious impact, even at low speeds. So we are doing something that we take for granted when we're driving. We need to be focused on the driving. Like I said before, as of 2019, texting and driving is a primary offense, uh, meaning that if an officer is going down the road and he sees you doing it, He doesn't have to have another basis to pull you over. He can pull you over and give you a ticket for that alone. And that also includes uh, the ability to uh, give you that same type of citation, only it's under a different section, uh, if you're talking on the cell phone in a work or school zone. Again, they can pull you over and give you a citation. It can be a primary offense just to do that. Between July 1, 2019 and July 1 of 2020, there were 3,842 citations for texting while driving in Florida. For the calendar year 2020, there were 3,174 tickets issued. Uh, When I say the majority, I'm, I'm grouping groups of type officers. Local municipalities as a group had the highest number of those citations. Well, that kind of makes sense. A lot of your schools are within municipalities. Uh, FHP, though, would have been the number two issuer of those kind of citations, and that's because they're seeing people going down the highways doing it, and they want to make sure that people are safe going down the highways. Third on the list would have been your sheriff's departments because they're dealing with the unincorporated areas of the county typically, and therefore they're not going to – be exposed to seeing people either on a road going down it, doing it as much, or in the form of in a more contained environment. So, but the total, and you might say, well, how were there 3,842 in that one area, but only 3,174 for the year of 2020? 
The answer to that is they issued a lot of citations up front, word got out, and some people quit doing it. And they also kind of slowed down a little bit on issuing the citations after the initial push. So as far as finding actual stats for Polk County, though, as it would relate to Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles, who are the ones that assimilate that information, there are few, if any, other statistics other than the ones I gave you earlier, uh, and that was considering the accidents. But for the issuance of citations in Polk County, I could not find any source talking about how many actual citations were issued either within the city of Lakeland, Winter Haven, Bartow, or through FHP in Polk County or the Sheriff's Department on DHSMV's website. Doesn't mean it's not there. I couldn't find it. Um, and so as a result, that I'm not able to give you. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM, and a couple, i got a couple other topics to talk about after the break. Welcome back to the Legal Eagle Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. To call in, the number is 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. During the break, we had another caller. Go ahead, caller. Yes. I, I, every Monday, I listen to your show. Well, I appreciate that. Thank great you. Great show. Great show. Hey, distracted driving. Now, my brother one time got pulled over and for eating hamburger. Yeah. And the officer... Uh, my brother kind of denied it at first. Well, yes, I was eating a hamburger. And the officer said, well, I saw you looking down at your shirt. Why were you doing that? And then the officer looked at his shirt and his ketchup and mustard all in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I know why you were looking down at 60 mile an hour. <laughs> uh, wrote, him, that, wrote him up a ticket. <laughs> was that here in Polk County? No, that was up in Ohio. <laughs> okay. And some of the states have much more restrictive, uh, distracted laws than we do. Um, and I have no idea about Ohio, but I'm just saying, in some other states, they may be able to cite you for being on a cell phone or eating while driving, things like that. I, those things I would have to relay based on a state-by-state case and basis. Here, theoretically, if you're weaving all over the road while trying to eat or something, they could actually try to charge you with careless driving or one of the other, one of those catch-all type offenses that sit out there. Well, it's true. You saw the movie Jurassic Park where the guy drops a cigarette and yeah. goes over the center line and hits a, or yeah. runs a jeep off the road. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that would definitely qualify, I think, at that yeah, point. Definitely. So. Now, I see a lot of ladies riding around poodles on their front lap. That's definitely not a good idea. Oh, I totally agree. And I hadn't even thought about that. But any dog in the vehicle could t- potentially be a distracted driver situation if they're not. In a, in a designated area of the car where they need to stay at, I pull up the lights and I see people with dogs all over their lap and stuff that are driving. That is a distracted driver situation because they're not paying attention to the driving. And they got their head sticking out the window and they're going to get a bug in their eye. Yeah. And they're going to go crazy in the car. They should be, you know, restrained somehow. Yeah, and they've actually got devices to be able to do that. So. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, thanks. My, daughter, my daughter's a highway patrol she talks about a lot of distracted driving accidents. Oh, yeah. It, there's a bunch of them. So. Yeah, terrible what happens. Well, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All righty. Uh, two things I wanted to touch on here at the end of the program that don't have anything to do with distracted driving because there are issues that I came up or I saw come up kind of today at the in, in media and news. 
Uh, I have preached on this show before about the there being way too many law schools in this state. There are. Right now, currently, there are 11 law schools in this state. There's another one that's actually existing, but it's so new it doesn't have people taking the bar yet. And now they've added a 13th one that will be opening in the fall up in the Jacksonville area. The bar passage rates that were just released today, hot off the press, are atrocious at best, and I think I'm understating it at that point. Um, and I had sound like I came from the caveman days back when we still used pens and paper as opposed to computers, and we did research in books. Some people would say stone tablets, but I'm not that old. But, you know, we still use typewriters. I, had, I was advanced with a computer, but it was a Commodore 64 back then. That's 64 kilobytes, not, not megabytes or whatever they're talking about now. Uh, it was, I mean, I literally couldn't put very much on a CD before I had to change out CDs when I was doing research and, and notes. But we had a different level of law student at that point in time than what we have now. And part of the problem is because we have so many law schools, we've watered down the talent pool. And I, that's the only explanation I can come up with. Anybody else tells me that the bar exam's harder? They didn't take the crap I had to take for a bar exam back then. That thing was horrible. I had such a pounding headache after the second day of that thing that it took me several beers at a Mexican restaurant later to even dull it. And then I went to a Neil Diamond concert to celebrate getting it over with. But the long and the short of it is, it was horrendously difficult back then. So don't tell me it's harder now. That's garbage. Long and the short of it is, I'm going to give you real quickly the passage rates that just got released today from these different law schools. Ava Maria, 66.7%. That means two out of three passed. Florida A&M, 56%, barely, barely above half. Barry, 45.5%, not even half the ones that took it passed it. Florida Coastal, 28.6% passage rate. Florida International did decent. I'm not going to say it was good. It was decent at 70.8%. The best in the state was FSU at 78.9%. Now, folks, when I came out of law school, and again, we can call it the Stone Ages if you want. It was a long time ago, 36 years ago. When I came out of law school, if any of the law schools were at 78.9%, the Florida Bar started looking at them wanting to know what they were doing wrong. That now was the best passage rate out of this particular group. Nova Southeastern, 42.1%, again, below 50%. St. Thomas University, 29.4% passage rate. Stetson, my alma mater, who used to be either number one or number two every year. Well, yeah, we're number two this time at 77.8%. We had one time while I was going through law school that Stetson dipped below 90% passage rate. It was like 88 or 89% passage rate. They went into panic mode over that and were trying to figure out how to make sure that never happened again. We always had between a 90 and 95% passage rate. My particular bar class that came through, I believe it was 95%. Not trying to say we were all spectacular, but we knew what we needed to get to get through the bar exam. UF. The big, mighty Gators, 64.7% passage rate. That would be a failing rate 
if you wanted to look at grading scales. University of Miami, 60.5%. Again, we have diluted the talent pool coming out. They're not passing the bar at the same rate. Now, there may be slightly different results coming up for the next round of bars that come out. I think it's July or August or September, whenever they release them again. I will be glad to readdress it at that point. It's still not going to be where it needs to be. There's nobody practically going to be up in that 90, 95 percentile. When I graduated, Stetson, FSU, and UF were always battling to see who could have the highest passage rate, and they were all within a couple of points of each other between 90 and 95 percent. There was none of this. 28.6%. And now we've got another law school that yet has had not yet had a graduating class come through to take the bar and another one that's just starting up. We're going to be further diluting the talent pool. That is atrocious and it is nothing but a money grab by the different law schools and the different colleges around to try to get money out of kids coming through. Think about what you're doing. If you want to go to law school, be focused on it. And you may have to self-teach yourself enough to be able to get through the bar exam because clearly those colleges and universities are not preparing people now to be able to take the bar exam like they used to. The last thing I want to talk about, I saw on a local news, and I'm going to loosely use the word news program this morning, a report about Biden's signing off on prohibiting ghost guns today. And on that news station, they were showing lower receivers from my son's company that he works for out of Cheyenne, Wyoming, Stag Arms, and they were trying to say these were ghost gun receivers. Stag Arms does not make any receiver without a serial number on it. Anybody with half a brain that saw it saw where it had the S slash N colon. They had not put the serial number on it yet. It should be an outrage to anybody watching that garbage on TV that they are once again misinforming the public and misusing file footage to try to prove a point. If you're going to do that, actually go find somebody that makes one of these receivers that doesn't put the numbers on it, that sells them as an 80% lower, and do it accurately and do it right. Don't slander a company that does it under the FFL-type requirements of having a serial number that is a legitimate company, and I'm not saying the other ones aren't legitimate, too. That's really not what I'm trying to say. But this company does not send out uh, receivers without serial numbers, and yet their logo was spread all over this programming this morning. It absolutely incensed me. It started off my day in a bad way. Yes, it has a personal effect on me because it applies to a company that my son works for. But the long and the short of it is I don't understand the stupidity or maybe it's just lazy and doesn't care about reporting the truth type of reporting that we're starting to see again in a lot of the media. I mean, to use file footage to try to show that as a ghost receiver because it doesn't have a serial number on it yet, it was going to get one. It's not released out of that company without one. They do not send out receivers out of that company without one. So at least try to give a modicum of reality and honesty to your reporting. Otherwise, you're at the same level as most of these other things that we're seeing now that can't report anything that's the truth. I've enjoyed talking to you today, and you have been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM.